0: So the basics are not covered. You know, they just assume everybody already knows the basics. But the problem with that is that it means people in the church a long time also don't know the basics because it's not taught on very much. So when I talk about the Bible, I'm going to start super, super basic. We're not going to stay there, but, but I'm going to make sure that we're all on the same page, pardon the pun, together uh, of the Bible. Okay? So, so like Pastor said, we're going to split it up into, into two talks, one tonight and then one this time next week. Um, both about the Bible. The first one, what we're going to talk about tonight is what is the Bible and where did we get it? Uh, th- those kind of issues. Uh, next week, we're going to talk more about how do we know that the Bible is true. When We're talking about issues of inspiration. If we say what the Bible is inspired, what does that mean? You know, Pastor uh, talked last week uh, some issues about how we know the Bible has been faithfully transmitted through the centuries to us, and that stuff's good. I may touch back on a couple of those things. Um, but, you know, it's one of, if we know the Bible's been faithfully passed on to us, that's fine. We know it's accurate, but that doesn't mean it's true, right? So, how, how do we know that it's true? How do we know that it's really the Word of God? Those kind of things. Um, is, most of that's going to be, be next week. Uh, and, and tonight we're going to focus in on, man, what is the Bible and how did we get the Bible that we have? So, just to start off with, I'm going to ask a very simple question. You guys can throw out answers. What is a Bible? What is the Bible? Is a book good start? Good start. We got some common ground. A book? What'd you guys say? Yes. Okay. What else? What else? Tell me. What is the Bible? God's word. God's word. What else? Sixty-six separate books. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Tell me your name again. Will. Will. So Will is exactly right. It is a book, but it's also a library. Yeah. It's composed sixty-six books in our Protestant Bibles. Seventy-three books. In a Catholic Bible, a few more than that, and a Greek Orthodox Bible, and we'll talk about why there's those discrepancies a little later. But yeah, yeah, it's a library of books, several different books. So this is a Bible, right? Will has a Bible, a couple of you guys have a Bible. This can be a Bible, Um, it can be several Bibles. Uh, Matt's computer can be a, a Bible. Bibles can take on lots of different shapes and forms, right? Um, so, so, so what we know about the Bible um, The Bible Who wrote the Bible? Let's ask that question Who wrote the Bible? Several people it's
1: not, just one
0: person. What's that? Oh, it's not just one person Not just one person, yeah, it wasn't one guy There wasn't one guy, Mr. Bible Sat down at his, not typewriter Sat down at his <laughs> scroll and wrote the Bible Yeah, it was not one guy It was uh, 40 plus authors And we don't know the exact number Because there's a couple books in the Bible But we don't know who wrote them and we're not 100% sure on the authorship. So we say around 40, 40 plus different authors. Uh, written over a time span of about 1,600 years. Um, you know, beginning around 1,500 BC, all the way up to uh, when the Bible is completed around 180. AD. So over a period of 1,600 years, uh, 40 plus authors. Um, and we believe as Christians, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, these guys just didn't write whatever they wanted to. Uh, they didn't just eat a, a spicy burrito, have a crazy dream, and say, "I got to write that down." Um, now we believe they were guided by the Holy Spirit. It is God Himself uh, who inspired every every thought, every uh, that appears on every page. Um, and we're gonna, again. We're going to talk more about inspiration and those kind of things next week. Um, yeah, 40 plus different people over 1,600 years on three different continents: Africa, Europe, and Asia. Uh, the amazing, amazing thing about the Bible that, that that astonishes you know people all over the world is you've got you've got a book, 40 plus different authors, over 1,600 years, three different continents, but together tells one narrative, one story um, about God's work uh, among human beings to redeem them back to Himself. Um, so, so the Bible. Other things you need to know about the Bible. So, uh, 40 authors plus. 1600 years around the time uh, from, from start to finish in writing it. The Bible is also um, you know, one of the, the, the most influential uh, books, the most influential books in, in the history of human civilization. Uh, it's been uh, more copies of the Bible have been printed than any other book in history. In fact, the, when you know, the, the printing press was invented, when Gutenberg invented the printing press in the 1440s, it was so that he could print copies of the Bible. He invented this machine, the movable type printing press, because he said, man, I wish there was more Bibles. I wish more people had access to, to Scripture, because right now there's a limited amount, because we're copying it by hand. It would be really cool if there was a machine that could mass produce these Bibles, or at least produce them quicker. It's not mass production like we think. The printing press was slow. Um, but could at least print them faster. So he invented this machine so that we could have more Bibles. And the very first thing ever printed on a printing press was the Gutenberg uh, Bible. Because he wanted people to have more bibles so number one best-selling book of all time the most printed book of all time translated into more languages than any uh, other book in history has um, had a larger impact on human civilization culture literature arts all those kind of things than, than any other any other work in history um, to the point where if you could somehow uh, make every bible in the world disappear Magically, like you can magically make every copy of the Bible everywhere, you snap your fingers, and every Bible everywhere would just disappear. That'd be hard, right? Because it's digital too. It's on it's on the internet, it's on your phones, it's on the computer. But if you could somehow just make every Bible disappear, you could then tomorrow morning go and reassemble the Bible and all of its essential components from its quotations in other works of literature and other books at any major city library. So you go down the street. Uh, to the, the, the big Memphis library on, on Poplar, you could reassemble the Bible in and, and its essential parts, almost entirely, just from its quotations and other books. Talk about how, how influential it is, how much it's influenced you know, literature and every other area of culture. Um, and I would pause right there and say, man, I, I believe uh, man, most most of us in here tonight are, are Christians, are believers, but I don't ever want to assume totally. Uh, but I would say, even if you're not a Christian, because of the uh, impact the Bible has made on on human civilization. I would say that every person who would call themselves educated, a student, should have read through the entire Bible at least once. How could you not, right? If This is the most important book in history, whether you're a believer or not. Like every educated person should have read through the Bible uh, at least once and know the main idea of it, right? So what is the main idea of the Bible? What would you guys say? If someone said, and in one sentence, tell me the main idea of the Bible, what would you say? Redemption. Redemption? He never out one word. I guess you asked one word. I'm sorry. <laughs> so think think back to, to grade school, and you had to read a paragraph or read a book, and then your teacher asked you, what's the main idea? Well, if you had to say what the main idea of the Bible is, in a sentence, what would you say? What do you say, Matt?
1: I second the redemption, but it's... Compoundly, partially the, or I wouldn't say partially But in, in addition Just telling the glory of God And, and all, everything that he's done
0: Yeah. So, so the, the point of the Bible The main idea of the Bible Is to reveal God to us Reveal God's glory And his plan for us to be redeemed Reconciled back to himself uh, Everything that was involved in that plan um, uh, Leading up to the, the person of Jesus Christ And his, his work um, which is the, the you know the crowning focus of the Bible is, is the Gospels and the, and the work of Jesus, um, what He did for us on the cross and His resurrection. Everything points to that. Everything before that points to that. Everything after that, you know, throws back to that, um, and, and that's the main focus. Uh, and so so kind of kind of understanding the main idea of the Bible uh, helps you as you're approaching the Bible. Any any book of the Bible, any text of the Bible that you're reading, um, and th- it's pointing to Jesus. It's directing you towards Jesus. Uh, if you read it in context for the main idea, this is revealing God to me, revealing God's glory to me, helping me understand God's plan of redemption uh, for human beings. So, uh, more about more about how we got the Bible the way that we have it. Um, so, so, in the Old Testament, you have, do you guys know how many books? 39, 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. So, in the Old Testament, you have, beginning in, in Genesis, uh, the story of the creation, and then it continues on from there, um, God separating out a chosen people for himself, a chosen nation, raising up this nation, uh, Israel, and then, and then the, the reigns of different kings uh, over the history of Israel, and then Israel's subsequent fall, and then being taken into exile, uh, into Babylon, and then beginning to, to return. Um, it kind of goes over the history of God setting apart a people for himself, um, through which he would bring a Messiah, a, sa- a Savior. Then um, when the Old Testament stops, you have a period of about 400 years of silence. There was no new books of the Bible being written. Uh, there, there was no new prophecies uh, being written until Jesus comes on the scene. And then the, the eyewitness and secondhand witnesses uh, that, that would write the Gospels, the accounts about Jesus, become the, next, become the start of the New Testament. So the New Testament contains uh, four, four books about the life of Jesus, and then letters, correspondence, um, of, of, of fathers of the faith writing to different churches uh, about, man, how, how do you live as a follower of Jesus? How do you live in a way that pleases God? Those kind of things. Uh, and then, and then at the end, a, a prophetic book uh, looking forward uh, about who Jesus is now uh, and what and what the future uh, will be like. Um, there, there at the end of the the Revelation of John. So, so 66. Uh, books total that, that, that tell, tell this one kind of story about, about God redeeming people to, to himself because God loves us. Um, and so, so kind of understanding So if the Bible is about God revealing himself to us. I'm saying all this because we're going to talk about what is the Bible and why does it matter. Here's the why does it matter part. Um, so I'm going to use two different kinds of terminology here. General revelation and specific revelation as far as how God has chosen to reveal himself to us. Uh, the first was, is you know, what we would call general revelation. Um, you know, that, that a person can understand from looking at nature, looking at like, the complexity of, of biology and physics and subatomic particles, they can look at all these kind of things, uh, and what people for you know, thousands and thousands of years have looked at things and said, this didn't just happen on its own, there must be some kind of creator. Right? Um, now they had a million different ideas about what that creator would be like, um, but, but that's called general revelation, and uh, Paul speaks a little bit to this in the first chapter of Romans when he says that, uh, that, that men can look at creation and know that there's a God, that every man's without an excuse in that regard because God's revealed his glory to us uh, through the creation, through what's been made, um, that, 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 a, that a person can look at, look at the complexity of nature. You know, as, as scientists study and they say, okay, there's this law here of entropy at work, that things don't tend towards organization and disorder, but quite the opposite. They tend towards disorder and chaos. Um, so, that, so that for us to have really complex structures um, and, you know, complex living organisms, um, and there's something going on here, right? There's some, some, something else at work here, um, you know, and, and so, so, so those kind of things that make people think, well, maybe there's some, someone that created all this, maybe there's someone that, that, that made all of this. Um, the other thing uh, you know, that, that, that causes people to think maybe there's a creator is our own conscience, our own uh, morality, our own thing, you know, discernment that there's some kind of right and wrong in the world. Some things seem to us morally right, and some things to us seem morally wrong. And if we're just animals and chemicals and atoms bouncing around in a universe that doesn't care, why, why should certain things seem right and wrong to us? Um, so, so that's another reason that, that, you know, what is the source of morality has made, made philosophers for centuries think, well, maybe there's some kind of creator uh, that, that, that put that inside of us. Now, th- this knowledge that there's a creator that should be obvious to us, the Bible tells us is suppressed by sin. Uh, that's what Paul says in Romans 1. So even though we can look at the creation and say, okay, there's some kind of creator but I'm going to choose not to see that because I want to live how I want to live, right? I don't want people to be like, I don't want a God that can tell me... Uh, you know how to live, how to behave, those kind of things. So, so what should be obvious has been suppressed by sin. Um, but, but that's what when we talk about general revelation, that's that's God's glory revealed just in His creation. That you can look at, in mean, the, the the universe, I and mean, the observable universe, all that we can see and understand, in uh, its beauty and its complexity, and say, man, this had to have a creator. Somebody, somebody designed this. This just just didn't happen on its own out of nowhere. Um, so that's general revelation. Uh, and what general revelation is not helpful with, it reveals to us that there is a God, but doesn't give us any information on how do we have a relationship with that God, you know, it tells us a lot about God, we know uh, the God that made a, a possibly infinite universe must be infinitely powerful right, and we can kind of know some things about the quality and character of God from the universe, but, but really important stuff like and how do we have a relationship with God what is God like, what does God want from my life, those are things we can't know just from general revelation. You guys tracking with me? Yeah? Okay. Um, feel free to interrupt absolutely any time with a question. Just, uh, and, and, I'll, and I'll stop and, and we can talk about it, okay? Um, so I can, I can look outside. I can look at, look at the trees. Uh, I can look at a beautiful forest, beautiful mountain and say, hey, man, there must be some kind of God. This thing did not create itself. But, but I won't even begin to know how do I have a relationship with that God? How do I know that God or know anything about him? And that's why the Bible is important, right? So when we talk about general revelation, the Bible is specific revelation, um, a way, way for God to specifically disclose himself to us, to speak uh, through people um, and disclose to us man you know, what he's like, what he thinks about us, um, and what, what his character is like, what, what he's doing uh, in, in this world, those kind of things, and most importantly, how we have a relationship with him, how we can come uh, to know him. And, and the two, two major forms of specific revelation we talk about is the Bible, and then of course the, the, the biggest is, is the person of Jesus Christ. So Jesus coming in the flesh you know, was, was the biggest revelation for us of, 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 of who God is. Um, and that's that specific revelation um, of, of what God desired from us and how to have a relationship with him come through Jesus. So, so that specific revelation uh, is important because cause, man, that, that's, the way, that's the way that we're saved. Uh, no, no one's going to be able to be saved just by going and hanging out in nature as beautiful as it is that we've got to know what Jesus did for us so we can put our our faith in that, can put our trust in that. Um, If you guys do have any of those hundreds of forms of Bibles, look at uh, Romans chapter 10 with me. It's starting in verse... Uh, Twelve. For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and rich, richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Then He asks an important question in verse fourteen: How then can they call on one they've not believed in, and how can they believe in one whom they have not heard? So, so without that specific revelation, you know, that, that comes from and the person of Jesus Christ, uh, and, and and God's written word, the Bible. Uh, and how are we going to know to believe in God? Yeah, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord is going to be saved, but we don't even know to call on the name of the Lord with just the general revelation of nature. Does that make sense? You know, so, so the Bible is incredibly important because uh, man, it instructs us how to have a relationship with God. How to have a relationship with God. How do, we, how do we know what God is like? Uh, and how do we know His character and, and what He wants from us? Uh, you guys tracking with me so far? Everybody's everybody's on board? Okay. So, um, Pat Pastor talked uh, last week about how, how the Bible is faithfully transmitted to us, why we think that the, the, the Bible as we have it is, is how we 're supposed to have it. Does that make sense that um, something you may notice we talk about the Bible being if it was finished being written uh, around 100 a d that was a long time ago, right? Um, you know that 's almost two thousand years ago. Uh, and so when I think about something being old, and you guys have probably thought this too, and I think we did talk about this last week, the telephone game of, of something that old, surely uh, it's not been successfully transmuted through, through all those centuries, right? Surely there were little changes that would work in, same as if I started over at this end and, and whispered something uh, you know, in, in his ear, you know, the, you know, the cat has a ball, and we, we pass it all the way around here, and by the time I got over here, Matt says, the rocket ship is yellow. Like, like stuff just changes, right? Uh, and, and Pastor David talked well about, I mean, that's not how the Bible was transmitted. Uh, the, 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 the scribes carefully uh, copied it down. Um, and, and, and one of the ways we can know that it was so carefully copied is the huge number of manuscripts that we have, uh, and then how closely those manuscripts date to the uh, original time that they would be written. Um, and we can compare it to other ancient works of, of literature, like um, in Homer's The Iliad and The Odyssey. The works of Plato, those kind of things, um, that we have far fewer copies of those kind of things. We have maybe you know, 400 copies, uh, you know, 400 to 500 copies of the Iliad, uh, but we have 14,000 plus copies of, 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 of the New Testament, right? So, so massive amount of copies, and, and that may not seem like a big deal to you, but I want you to do, do a thought experiment with me. Um, let's say that, that you were going to write a book of the Bible. Let's say Kira is going to write a book of the Bible. Uh, she's going to sit down to write a letter to the churches at Memphis, right? Um, so, so first, first Memphians, um, and Kira sits down to write it. And she writes her letter, and she mails it, and then the Memphis church opens it up, and they say, this is really good. This is really good. So let's make copies of this so all the churches in Memphis can have it. And then, and then Jackson's like, we want copies too. And then it just ends up spreading across Tennessee, um, across North America. They get copies in Europe. They get copies in Africa. They get copies in Australia. Um, and it's gone viral, Right? Um, so, so now there's several thousand copies spread out all over the world of Kira's First Memphians book. You guys tracking with me? Yes. Thought experiment. Kira, Kira thinks to herself, wait, I want to change something. Wait, I want, to, I, want to, I, mean, I want to change something. There's something, there's a theological thing here that I want to say a little bit differently, or there's a different command I want to give here that's a little different. Uh, how would she change it, Right. It's now at several thousand copies spread on multiple continents. How would she change it? She couldn't, right? So, so when we talk about, uh, well, maybe the Bible's changed over time. One of the reasons we know it hasn't is because these 14,000 manuscript fragments that we have match each other, right? They agree with each other. Um, and and that, that would be impossible if they'd been changed. I mean, if someone would say one thing, one would say another, it would be impossible to change it all. Like, if there was some monk on some crazy crusade to get a sneak-a-command into, into a manuscript of Scripture, he would have to do it in all of them, on multiple continents, and he'd have to somehow do it in such a way that it wouldn't look like he edited it, you know, something better than whiteout. He'd have to get in there and change it. Um, you guys tracking with me? Um, so when we see, see 14,000 manuscripts that all, you know, and, and some, that, some that date within just a few decades of, of, of the original writing, uh, and then they all agree with each other, We can know that, and this hasn't been changed, this hasn't evolved over time. Uh, Some conspiracy theories are that certain kings, certain rulers changed the Bible so they could control the people better, and we know that is not the case. This has not happened because that would be impossible to do because the way it was spread out so many copies in so many places, it'd be impossible to change it and then still have them all agree with each other.
1: That was really presented to this age group now that's been changed so much. (laughs) Yeah. It's really manipulative to say, and our our kids believe that they believe that uh, it's been changed so much and all it's all been right. messed up and you can't believe it.
0: So so because of, because of that, the, the multiple fragments thing, we know for sure it's not been changed. And does that mean it's true? We'll talk about that next week, right? But we know it's not been changed. We know it's not been changed. Um, so 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 it's accurate. The the New Testament that you have is the New Testament you were supposed to have. Does that make sense? It's not been changed. Um, and, and, and Pastor mentioned last week, the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls are a fantastic bit of evidence for us to know the Old Testament has also been accurately transmitted. So in 1947, uh, there, there was a boy, a shepherd boy, a Bedouin, a uh, man who, I don't know if he was exploring or playing in some caves, uh, and he, found, he finds a bunch of uh, clay vases, vases, uh, the plural there, vasi, I think is, is the motto. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they them, and, and so, so archaeologists come, and what they find uh, in these vases are scrolls uh, that date to about 100 BC. How could they be that old? Because the cave, you know, that part of the world is incredibly dry, so it preserves stuff really well. And I also think part of it was the grace of God, the providence of God, because God wanted us to have that, so we could have confidence in the Old Testament. Um, but what they found in there was every single Old Testament book except Esther. Every single Old Testament book, um, nearly identical to what we have today. Um, so this is, this is older than when Jesus was born, right? Um, you know, dating back to 100 BC, so 2100 years ago, and uh, nearly identical, like 99 point whatever percent identical. The, the kind of dif- discrepancies you would see would be equivalent to grammar discrepancies, spelling discrepancies, no major theological discrepancies. So when they, when they found that, you did have a lot of scholars saying those kind of things like, you know, the Bible's been changed to manipulate the masses. Uh, th- those kind of things, but you don't find a lot of uh, modern scholars saying that and, and the Dead Sea Scrolls <clears throat> discovers is a big part of that.
1: The funny thing is talking about the Bible manipulating the masses, to do what? Comply with your government? Pray for people? Do good? I don't yeah. understand. you yeah, know what, your neighbor. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, like, what are we Make manipulating conspiracy. people to? Now, on yeah. the other hand, it's not. It's not the the Bible is not incite people to riot or right. to mob or Submit to loot. To it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, what's nah, what's or the problem? Yeah. What? <laughs> this manipulation. If anything, you know, uh, to what? What to manipulate us to do what? To what end? Yeah. To, to to put others. To, good se- <laughs> yeah, to be good citizens. Yeah. To put others before ourselves. Oh ah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, if if I was gonna manipulate a document that millions of people follow across the world, I'd be like. Give me all your money, not 10%. Give me 90. You right. live on 10. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would manipulate so it. The way world It s- the moral part of it. Though. You need something? Right I will there, help you. Okay, I don't yeah. want to do that. W- I would manipulate it some other way. Yeah. That makes no sense. Yeah, I heard somebody, somebody told me that the Bible was manipulative to them, like how he thought about it. And as he was talking, I started thinking, well, you're probably thinking that way just because you want to live." So you're just going against what you know is right, and right. making what you think is right was really wrong,
0: and kind of just tweeting. You just leave it at that. Like people like that just don't. Want. It's easier so, to say the Bible's not true than my life's not lying Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And this, but the That's statistics, though,
1: everything the Bible lays out for you to live, even if you just look at it as a moral guideline and not authoritative in any way, the statistics back up every moral guideline it puts into place you know whether it's a uh, marriage between a man and a woman or or you know uh, you know sex before marriage or it doesn't matter what it is drinking uh, uh, drugs all of the stuff it lays out leads you to a better place you know the and the statistics will back that up that everyone you know there's statistics all over the place that say a child is better off with two parents it's it's Better that you don't have sex before marriage. It's you know, it's better not to get drunk. It's you know, gluttony or whatever it is. It's like, like yeah, that's stuff. what I'm saying. Like everything that the, last, is that, so the last
0: chapter of Lee Strobel's <coughs> book, The Case for Faith. He's talking with a guy. He's got this kind of question. Okay, I know all this stuff is true, but I'm still having trouble believing it. And the very last test that this guy gives them is, okay, well, let's say, you don't have to believe it's true, but just live like the Bible tells you, you should live for 30 days. Jesus says if you live this way, there's life in it. If you live this way, this is a better way to live. Just live like he says for 30 days and tell me it's not better. Basically, like, like test it for yourself, taste and see kind of thing. Um, that And that's something great to do if you've got a, man, a non-Christian, non-believer that's like, man, this whole thing, it's just a tough pill to swallow. And I'll agree. I'll be the first to agree. Yeah, this sounds ridiculous. Yeah, this sounds absolutely absurd. Um, but just try, it. try. Try to live like Jesus instructed to live. Try, try to live it for man, a few weeks. Try, try 30 days and see if your life is not better. And then I want you to ask yourself, if he was true about that, And maybe it was true about when he said he was the son of God. Maybe it was true when he said that he could forgive sins. And, then, and that could be the beginning of a journey for someone that's particularly skeptical about those kind of things. So in this last little bit of time that we have, um, I want to address this issue about the specific 66 books that we have, why those are the ones we have and not others. Um, and, and part of that does deal with the issue of inspiration which we 'll talk talking about next week but I'll, I'll without getting too far into that uh, be able to address it so um, and the, the the books that, that we have just a real real simple the books that you have in your uh, Protestant uh, Bible are the ones that were widely accepted as inspired uh, by the early church um, so so when you when you hear about um, Sensational things like oh, some other book has been discovered, or some other manuscript's been discovered—bullcrap. Uh, it's not. Uh, they knew about it. They just knew it was bogus. It was not inspired, so they did not include it. It's not. It's not new. It's only sensationalized for our, our Western materialism. Man- oh, okay. Well, yeah, I want that. You know, we we get excited over that kind of stuff. Um, but but anything that was not included uh, in, in that 66 book canon was not included for a reason. So I'm so. That's the preface, now let's go step by step through. it. Okay, so um, the, uh, the, the, the Bible, uh, this may help you too, was not written in English. Is that helpful to anybody? Um, the Bible was written in ancient Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Um, so uh, when it came time to, uh, uh, to, for, for, for the authors to begin to translate it into other languages as it's spreading across the world, uh, there came a time where the entire Bible uh, was translated into Greek. Um, you know this, uh, and and so the the, the Greek uh, Bible, New Testament in particular, we refer to as the Septuagint. Hard word to say, um, but but so in this Greek Bible, um, they also included um, several other books that were not inspired, but they were important to the Hebrew people. These are the books that end up becoming the Catholic uh, Apocrypha. So. You have the 39 books of the Old Testament, the 27 uh, books of the the New Testament, and then you have these extra books. If it helps you think, apocrypha just means extra. You have these extra books here um, that were not inspired, but they were inspirational to the people. It would be like if you were to, if the Bible somehow made it this many centuries without being canonized. We're going to sit down and canonize the Bible today. We might have the Bible, and then we might also throw in, what's some stuff, people? We might throw the Purpose Driven Life in there, too, because it's inspirational. We might throw something else in there you know, that gets people going. Um, yeah. But that, that's what it was like. So you've, yeah. got, you've got some books there that were books. Some of them are books of history, historical accounts. Some of them are books of, of wisdom, books of poetry, those kind of things. Um, and, and they were accounts that, that were not widely believed, even at the time, to be inspired by God. But they were important to the people culturally, and they were inspirational to the people. So when they went to translate the Bible into Greek, they included those books in what they call the apocrypha, the extra. Um, so then, when you you uh, you know fast forward to uh, the the fourth century, um, and you have the the church the church council uh, of, of, of Nicaea when they're officially canonizing what. Uh, what what is going to be part of our Bible? What is extra? They 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 kind of even more made that official. But those 66 books are the the canon, and that canon is closed. So, Kira couldn't sit down and write First Mithians, even if she wanted. I mean, she could She's write it. To. She could write it, but it would be considered a divinely, yeah. divinely inspired canon. <laughs> um, and 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 the, and the, 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 that's, those 66 books uh, are 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 going to be are going to be the, the agreed upon books that were inspired. Uh, by, by the Holy Spirit, and that's going to make up the Bible. And then when the Protestant Reformation comes along, um, the, they decided to, to just do away with the Apocrypha altogether, say the Bible's long enough as it is, we don't, we don't need <laughs> these extra books, we're going to drop them. Um, and not, not that they're bad or, or evil necessarily, but they're, they're not inspired, so we don't need to necessarily have them there in the canon. The books that didn't get included in the canon, the books that didn't get included in the sixty six. Um, it was because the, the they were not widely accepted as being Scripture. There were other Gospels in circulation, but they just knew they were bogus. Um, a couple of couple reasons they knew they were bogus, they were not written by who said wrote them, right? So you've got some Gospels that you guys may have heard of, Gospel of Thomas, uh, Gospel of Mary Magdalene, Gospel of the Cross, Gospel of, is there a Gospel of Judas? There, there's there's some ones and, and, a, and a couple of things that separate those from the the four uh, canon gospels we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were written um, you know, in terms of history very close to the time of the events that they record. Um, particularly uh, um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, the synoptic gospels were written within a span of, uh, of maybe as early as 20 years um, after the resurrection of Jesus. So, uh, In this time span, what that means is some of the people that were eyewitnesses to those events were still alive. Right, their, their children were definitely still alive. So if they're going to circulate uh, a fantastical account, a fantastical supernatural account, uh, w- within a period of 20, 30 years after that event occurred, there are people living that could say, no, I was there. That didn't happen, right? Those kind of things. So, well, so and
1: even Luke has written just a few years because he catches up in us. <laughs> and it's the past, and then he's like, and now this is what we did. Yeah, You know, so he's like, right, I mean, he's just a few... Less than a year or two, but right behind. Them.
0: Yeah, so you've got so you got, and also these these men were either eyewitnesses or they were interviewing eyewitnesses. Matthew Matthew was a disciple, so you've got his eyewitness account again, led by the Holy Spirit, um, and then uh, you know Mark Mark uh, writes down, we mostly think writes down Peter's gospel. You know, so he's he, he's transcribing you know Peter's first hand account uh, of, of the the actions of the gospel. Um, Luke uh, was was was. Uh, Paul's physician, Paul's doctor, you know, so as they're traveling around, he's interviewing eyewitnesses, um, maybe maybe some of Jesus' brothers and sisters, maybe Mary, maybe, you know, certainly some of the pe- members of the, the early first church uh, that, that ha- were eyewitnesses to the, to the life and teachings of Jesus, and so he's writing down their accounts faithfully, um, and then and John was also a, an apostle. Uh, he, he was a disciple, he, that's an eyewitness account. These other gospels uh, that the people ask about, or came much later. Most of them come in the second century, over a hundred years after the events. So the people that wrote them were not alive when the events happened, um, and none of the people you know would have been alive at that time. Um, so, so this is the amount of time where we start to see legends and bogus and goofy stuff start to creep in when you get get past the lifetime of the people that would have been eyewitnesses. Uh, aren't they
1: usually considered to be written because the Bible is silent on certain things? Like for instance, I think the the Gospel of Thomas or one of them is. Deals with directly, basically the the childhood of Christ, because the Bible you see Christ in the temple and then you don't see him again until he comes into his own, and so it's like, gee, what happened? And so it's almost like an answer to this, you know, years and years of people being like, I wonder what happens, and all of a sudden this gospel surfaces yeah. about the, you know, the childhood. Yeah, I mean, of people Christ
0: can or, have any kind of reason for one attention, I guess, the same reason people write write any any kind of make up stories and stuff, but um, but because of the date that they started coming to circulation. The the, the the church, the, those early church uh, fathers and leaders, they knew that they were not accurate. They didn't, they knew Thomas didn't write that. He'd been dead for, for decades at that point. Um, and, and also the gospel itself contained some pretty nonsensical things. The gospel of Thomas um, has has an explanation that, 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 that women cannot go to heaven unless they first become men. Okay? Um, the gospel of the cross, it talks about the, the literal cross Jesus died on, like the wooden cross, like Rising up and talking to people and preaching to people, yeah, it's a little weird. And and so so have got these these kind That's of weird. That's why it's not
1: in the sixty six books. <laughs> <laughs> got you got these weird, it, right? kind <laughs> fairy
0: tale fairy tale elements, but but more than anything, um, so so it, it, it's not. Does, does it make sense why I'm saying that the church didn't just pick and choose certain books? They knew these books were definitely not inspired, and what they included were the ones that were widely accepted as inspired. Um, it w- widely agreed upon that, man, these, these are the books that were inspired by the Holy Spirit. These are the books that we're supposed to have. And, and so if you see something sensational in Barnes & Noble that says it's some lost gospel, it's not. And they always knew it was there. They just knew it was bogus, so they didn't include it. Um, you know, And if you, if you do, some, do some of your research on that, you'll see, man, it was written. Okay, it was written in like the, the, the 100s, the 200s AD. Well, that's hundreds of years. So obviously it's not an eyewitness account. Obviously it's a fairy tale. It's a legend, that kind of thing. Does that help? Does that help to understand? Um, any kind of questions on on that end of things?
1: No, it's a good point, valid point, because that, that's where they'll come and say, oh, this is all these bogus fairy tales. They'll pull those, uh, you know, Apocrypha books, books of Thomas and Mary Magdalene, and try to present it to the world that, well, this, you, y'all are saying this is true stuff, and this can't be true stuff, so, uh, so it's very good to How point that out. Hmm? How many are
0: there? Other gospel? Goth- yeah, if I if I if I make up one tonight, that's one more. I, mean, I bet there's probably there's probably lots. There's probably yeah. lots and lots of people that have just made up but stories. As as the how, many, how many books? So it's 66 to 73, so that would be seven books in the apocrypha. Uh, they the have Greek a few more the in the Greek, the Greek. The Greek Orthodox have a couple more. <laughs> um, I guess they would have. They have 77. So they have they have three or four more that the Catholics don't have, and I think it's yeah similar kind of thing. Just but more like
1: Old Testament also.
0: Yeah, well, well, so all of the Apocrypha is Old Testament. There's not any Apocryphal books after the, after the Gospels. So they're all, um, like, you've got First and Second Maccabees, which is like historical text. Don't they cover
1: the 400 years after, don't they usually cover that 400 year period between Malachi and?
0: I'm not 100% sure, but okay. they do. They cover some of the, the revolutions, some of the Jewish revolutions. Right. Um, and then you've got some wisdom literature. Um, but again, it's not considered inspired like Proverbs and and, uh, and Ecclesiastes, those kind of things. So, um, yeah, there's some wisdom literature, some poetic, some poetic stuff. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't know why the Greek Orthodox has a couple more, but it's that same kind of idea. These are these are not considered inspirational. They may were really important to that culture, but not not divinely inspired to the point where we want to include them uh, in the canon. So I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap there. If you guys think of questions, write them down this week so you can ask them next week. We can talk about things like, uh, like translations, you know, why there's so many translations. Because um, I know that, that's a question I get a lot, um, and there's really good answers for that. Um, but then what, what I really want to focus on is how do we know the Bible's inspired? Because we can know that it's been faithfully passed down to you. And hopefully after this last 40 minutes, you can know, okay, the Bible I have is the Bible I'm supposed to have. If that's, if that's all you got from it, then that, that was the main point this is the Bible I'm supposed to have. There's not secret texts out there that are being hidden from me. No, the Bible you have is the Bible that, 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 that you know, the starters of the early church, what they agreed on, uh, were, were, were the right books um, for, for the church to have and what wasn't included, it wasn't because it was hidden, they, they knew about it, it wasn't included because it was bogus. Does that help? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so next week we'll talk about, man, how do we know it's true? There's one thing for it to be accurate, you know, it's an accurate uh, historical accounts, those kind of things. Um, but but what about the part man words? It's, it's claiming to be the word of God. I mean, how can we know for sure that it is in fact the word of God? That it is inspired, uh, that it is, is true? Because those things matter. Um, and so that's going to be the major uh, major focus of, of next week. Hopefully, you guys can all come back next week. Bring questions next week, and bring <coughs> someone else that maybe needs to hear about that. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, let Let me say say. Well, this isn't important to me. Oh yes, it is. 'Cause we, we, we falsely get called into this thing, well, if we're not all jumping on a service time and we're not all crying praying right here, we didn't feel the move of God and we didn't have church. But the truth is is if we don't have a foundation, these foundational truths, you're gonna walk